The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats and proud member of the Pitcherlist Podcast Network. I'm your host and expert layman Matt Goodwin, and I am joined, as always, by your fake baseball economist, Alexander Chase. On this episode, we talk about some 2022 rules agreements, what to make of the flurry of free agent signings, and how all the player movement and news has or has not impacted their ADP, comparing lockout drafts to post-lockout drafts. But before we get to all of that, Alexander, how you doing? Matt, it is good to hear from you. I'm doing pretty well this week. That's good to hear. It's always nice to touch base and have good news. Anything exciting going on in uh, in your neck of the woods? Um, yeah, actually, I, I, I saved this from the before the pod stuff so I could tell you. Uh, I uh, actually uh, finally heard back and got into law school this week. Oh, so, congratulations. Uh, That's really yeah. I feel like I have to go get like a, a an applause sound effect to <laughs> insert here. But I I mean that genuinely. I know I know that that's a. Uh, not only is that not an easy thing to just go decide to do, uh, but that has got to be a weight off your shoulders. It is. Yeah, I've been waiting to hear back from schools for quite a while now, and I finally did. It sounds like I'll be staying here in the D.C. area. Um, so I think I'm like bound to actually become a public nationals fan at some point, like actually get a Juan Soto jersey instead of just like a scherzer jersey after he got traded because he was in charge of the union. <laughs> I have and because it was scherzer. cheap at TJ Maxx. <laughs> it was on a little bit of sale at dicks and it was like about to be traded but yeah there you, you know, go i mean like i got it just because i was like i wanted to have a jersey and i didn't have one but at this point i'm like yeah i probably need to commit to being a nationals fan i'm not gonna be an orioles fan and then, you know yeah, it's, it's although all you're gonna switch to anyway. being a nationals fan just in time for the orioles to all of a sudden like all their farm hands are gonna rise and be they're gonna be really good for a few years right after you flee um, it, it's kind of like the old bit. Uh, would you rather have Juan Soto or the mystery box player who could turn into Juan Soto? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even think they can. I don't know. <laughs> I, I've been holding off on like committing to becoming a Nationals fan because I moved to DC in April 2019. And you may remember that in the weeks and months after that, they won a World Series. So mm. it was kind of the most bandwagon y thing possible to just become a national fan. <laughs> but I still went to like five games at the end of that year. I saw uh, Patrick Corbin 
for his last two regular season starts of that year, which are coincidentally his last two regular season starts when he was good at baseball. Um, yeah. Poor guy. So, <laughs> yeah. You could so, be contrarian and get a Nelson Cruz jersey. That's pretty, pretty cool. You get to go um, see him smash some baseballs. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. I'm also really excited. This is like a, a small thing. They tweeted out, the Nationals, that is, tweeted out this sort of cryptic tweet uh, that was just two Pantone colors. One was like the DC cherry blossom pink color. And then there was another like slate gray. And I was like, are they going to announce like a pink and gray cherry blossom city connect Jersey? Cause I will pay hmm. money for that. Yeah. I that's actually interesting. Absolutely would. Um, Cause there are not enough professional sports teams that wear pink because it is a great accent color and would look great on a baseball Jersey. Um, yeah. Just, also, if you're going to do like a, a local Jersey concept um, that like swings away from all of the red blue stuff, it makes for a great look. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Potentially, I'm going to say that's the reason that I'm becoming yeah. a Nationals fan. <laughs> um, it's also cherry blossom season here. So that's how it's nice going to be. Uh, it's going to be really disappointing if it has nothing to do with that. Now that you got all these uh, these ideas in my head, because that, that sounds pretty awesome. I going back to those conversations we were having when those were all popping out, I think most of them, they actually did a pretty nice job. Usually I think some of the stuff they put out is a little garish and, and odd and strange or just downright unattractive. But I thought that for the most part, a lot of those city connects were, were uh, at the very least in interesting, intriguing. Um, and there was some thought and purpose and function behind it. Um, you know, as a Red Sox fan, when the Boston ones came out, they were completely different colors and it totally threw me for a loop, but um, then you hear the, like the backstory and the connection and why they went that, that way. And it makes perfect sense. So, uh, that was pretty yeah. cool. I feel like I'm just also primed for like completely unrelated jerseys being fine for me as like a soccer fan, because like, yeah, yeah. For yeah. example, in recent years, like, like, uh, last year, uh, 20 to 21 Tottenham had like a green kit that was just completely unrelated to their like traditional kit. Um, but on it like reflected like the design of the new stadium they just built and also like had a map of that part of town kind of also woven into this. Oh, wow. That's, so it was yeah. like exactly the idea of a city connect jersey. Yeah, right, right. The third kit. So um, can you give me a, a, an answer to this? I, I could probably Google it, but why are they called kits? No, I cannot give you an answer to that. Oh, that's too bad. Okay, <laughs> why are well, they called sweaters in, so in, in hockey? Um, yeah, that's all well, I think. I mean, that one because makes sense. They used to be actual sweaters. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ice hockey. <laughs> I mean, the, the kit refers to the entire thing, I should say. Yeah, it's no, right, right, the, right. The okay, shirt. so I'll, I'll Google it afterwards. But uh, if a, a listener would like to just kind of uh, put a, me on, you can put me on blast on Twitter and, and tell me why I'm an idiot for, for asking the question and also not knowing. Uh, it's an interesting word to use. I have to imagine there's an interesting story behind it. Uh, well, I mean, but, I guess when you think about it, it includes the shirt, the shorts, and the socks as the full kit, if you will. I mean, so maybe I can wrap was, my yeah. around that. Like, like, yeah, back in the day when you joined the team, you got the team kit, and it had, it had like all of your stuff that you needed, including your your uniform, which I know is not the right word. Uh, anyway, we don't need to belabor that point. Um, as we are talking about uh, baseball season and new things on the horizon, um, obviously the CBA was signed. We have spring training. Baseball's back. It's um, uh, amazing to have it back and to be able to talk about it and have a start date and all of those things. 
Uh, a few things that have been confirmed in recent reports. I, I actually grabbed this from Twitter. This is Tuesday we're recording, so uh, I don't know, um, you know what's transpired between now and, and when this is released. Always the caveat, but uh, a couple of things confirmed, and I'm going to go through them one at a time, and I want you to tell me what you think the impact of each will be. Big, small, what it'll look like. Um, is this something that we should care all that much about, or is this just kind of a thing? Uh, the first is confirmed 28 man rosters in April. Um, I think that's like a, a really, really good thing, um, that will probably not get a whole lot of attention in the same way that a lot of other things that just quietly make the world function slightly better. Don't get any attention. Um, I think we're definitely going to see a lot of teams essentially need an extra reliever on their roster at all times, maybe even two, which depending on how things this all shakes out might be essentially what happens to make up for the fact that a lot of starting pitchers are only going to be going four and five. So like, yeah, yeah, that's just an obvious keeps everything from falling apart. No one has to get hurt. And also like the sport doesn't just look really awful. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we're not we're going to notice that starters aren't going as long. Some people are going to say some dumb things about, you know, back in my day, they're going to show up and throw 27 innings and have, have a beer in their hand. And like, yeah, of course, because the batter was telling them to throw underhand to a particular part of the zone and, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> back in are your we day, talking about baseball or are we talking about beer league softball now? We are actually talking about baseball. You know, they have okay. like back in back in their old day, if you're 140 years old or whatever, batters did actually ask for the ball to be thrown into a part of the zone underhand by the pitcher. Yeah, all these <laughs> rules you complain about, they're all pretty new relatively in the sport this old. Uh, so yeah, I am. Um, I tend to think that a lot of general complaining is going to um, be way overblown in weird different places. And I'm not always that interested necessarily in like the volume of complaint relative to like the actual effects, because this is, I think a great demonstration of a rule that just like one, I wish it was the case all the time. Mm -hmm. Having more players on a roster is like we've talked plenty. I'm sure in the past about how real baseball and fantasy baseball have opposite goals at times. And, you know, it'll suck that starters don't get quality starts. If you're in a quality starts league, except that it won't because your starters will be healthy later on in the year. And we want to cheer for them to be good. Yeah, right, right, right. So speaking of controversy and uh, uh, divisive opinions about baseball rules and things, uh, also confirmation that automatic runner on second base and extras will exist in 2022. Yeah, I'm just as loudly pro this rule as possible um, for a lot of the same reason as the previous one, except that other people are against it, in my mind, without consideration for the reason that is, I think, the most obvious for having it um you get hurt more when you are fatigued yeah um, you get hurt more uh when you've been fatigued because of long-term or short-term stuff and um you would not be surprised to know that playing 15 innings of baseball will make you tired and yeah. you know we're going to have a hard time making sure that pitching staffs can just like get through the very compressed schedule the fast ramp up it's like a no-brainer to me that we should eliminate the potential planning hiccups that will come along with a 13 or 14 inning game just popping up and happening once a week for a team like that's bad for everybody and i also just think it's really fun like i actively find 10th and 11th inning baseball with a runner on second to be way more fun than regular baseball and 
I don't think I can convince many people of that fact because, you know, I think a lot of people have fond memories of things like the. I don't. Do you, do you remember like the eighteen or so ending game between uh, Houston and Atlanta and like the playoffs in like two thousand five or so? I I believe you. I don't have a, an encyclopedic memory of all of these games, but it doesn't it doesn't exist in playoffs anyway, right? They they don't keep it right, for, right, right, right. You know, so. Um, and, and I, I, I think that's the point, though, is like yeah. people have fond memories of these tense, important nail biter games going on for a long time. But like, I don't really need the the Reds and Pirates to go 16 innings because nobody well, on either of those teams can score. And honestly, there are definitely people still watching. But how many people are watching at one or two o'clock in the morning when those things finally finish? Usually it's. You wake up and find out whether whether or not you're the team you wanted to win one or not. The, the games start late. They go late. Um, I feel as though uh, there's a generational divide here uh, in a lot of ways with this rule and, and a lot of new rules in general. And that being the elder statesman of the podcast that I uh, what? am supposed to be. <laughs> Uh, I'm supposed to be the fuddy duddy here and say this rule stinks, but I actually like it too. Um, something that occurred to me, I was, uh, it was on Twitter. I don't remember exactly the conversation, but I, I kind of just to throw it out there, I was like, well, what if it wasn't a runner on second in the 10th? It was a runner on first in the 10th, second in the 11th, and third in all subsequent innings, uh, beyond. Um, just to spice things up. I, I guess I just like making things more complicated than they need to be. Uh, but I do kind of like the idea of like ramping it up. And, and then when you finally get to the, whatever the 12th inning, like you're really encouraging run scoring <laughs> to try and, and make sure that the, even if a game does go to extras, it's not going to the 18th. Maybe it's going to the 13th uh, as a long game. Um, but I'm, I'm all for this stuff. I, I think that games, as somebody who loves baseball, it's weird to say this, but I think games are too long uh, in terms of being able to just sit down and consume them. I don't think we need to make them an hour, an hour and a half longer than they already are. They start too late for kids to watch them. They start too late for teachers on the East Coast to stay up and watch them. <laughs> so yes, if, if they are going until one, two o'clock in the morning, there's a lot of people not watching that anyway. So why also put the players out so that it's not even just about that game. It's about the next day too. You know, now they've yeah, got to come yeah. back after that game and, and perform again and, um, and put all that strain on them. So I'm actually with you on this one. I, I like it. I, I remember when I was doing some bullpen depth charts last year, I noticed that the Rangers were scheduled to play 18 games in a row. Um, and just like, Oh, um, you should really watch the guys who have pitched two days in a row because there's a 0% chance they're going to go three in a row because that would just really wreck them if all of a sudden they're missing some guys. And it's like pretty much every team had a stretch close to that. And it, it was not really helps. Yeah. It, it so this year really, it'll only be worse, right? Oh man. You know, if you can't plan to be able to say, okay, the game is going to go this many innings, maybe plus one plus two max. If it gets rained out on Thursday and we have to play two on Friday, we're still not going to burn everyone. We're going to be okay. So that a week from now, you're not going to be like, lost two guys because their shoulders just gave out because you've been pitching them too much like right that's not a problem you have to worry about people can just continue on and the guys on your roster can make it work um and i also really just like this is like like the second side of this also it's like i feel like a lot of people who complain about this sort of stuff also 
complain about the DH and all the like the loss of strategy, the Ghost Runner on second introduces all of these really fun strategic concepts. Like you yeah. can choose to bunt as a pitcher on defense or like a manager managing the pitching and the defense. You can choose to walk the leadoff batter to try to induce a double play. Like there were so many like, are you going to put a um, pinch runner on trying to make sure he can score from second more easily? There's so much more opportunity to just say, hey, guys, go all in. And if it doesn't yeah. work, <laughs> you're screwed. But like, that's so much more fun rather than just hold on to your chips. Don't waste anything. Don't lose the game mentality that I think capitominates and just leads to some really boring three innings of no scoring baseball, which nobody's watching anyway. Well, like, and, and to your worst. point about fatigue and it's related to injury but it also i have to imagine makes it harder to actually get on base as well so right. it, you get to a certain point where like these guys are exhausted they probably would rather to just to be honest would probably rather just lose the game to have it end so they can go get some sleep you know have some dinner and, and get to sleep because i got to be back at the ballpark the next day and do it all over again so i, I just feel like it's it doesn't take anything away from me i i, I think if you were to say this before it happened and, and really put me to it, I would have said, I don't like the idea of the rule, but now that right. I've seen it, I I'm more than just fine with it. Um, um, and we're going to yeah, talk about one more rule uh, here that is, is really affects a uh, sum total of one person in major league baseball. Uh, but it has been confirmed that uh, the pitcher can remain the DH after he's done pitching through the life of this CBA. The pitcher, obviously. The pitcher. Oh yes. yeah, I think we are. We are all going to be unanimously pro this rule. Um, <laughs> he is also the hitter. To be clear, um, yeah, this is well, R.I.P. Shohei Otani ever playing the outfield. But um, <laughs> yeah, 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 this is. I think this is this is really good news for Otani's uh, well his health and and the way that he gets used and. Um, maybe being able to predict things. So I know last season they would do things like um, he's going to hit on the day he pitches, but then he's going to take the next day off. Um, and then sometimes he wouldn't. It was it was weird. I think this probably also solidifies maybe that he'll probably hit when he pitches and then and then they'll do that thing right where that he gets the uh, the next day off. I think that it'll depend on scheduling, et cetera, et cetera. But like, he'll get some off days. He deserves some off days. Um, and yeah, definitely. I, I think the nice thing about this from a fantasy perspective is that like, he's now just like a dude who's going to get some rest kind of regularly while playing really well. Like probably not all that different from Mike Trout, <laughs> like for example, in like a perfect world where he's just healthy and playing, like he should get some rest once in a while. Same for anyone else who's, good and over the age of 30 hypothetically no Tony's not over the age of 30 but just like substitute that in your mind he probably gets less rest than some of the guys who get like severely load managed in like san francisco but like you know it's a healthy and normal thing to do and when you were carrying a team on your back you need some rest once in a while yeah um, (laughs) i i might be a more interesting team this year um but i i understand your point um, all right, let's move into our numbers of the week segment, and I'm going to hit you with this number, and then we're just going to debrief a little bit, and it's going to lead us into our, our basically our central question of of the the episode. Uh, but here's the number: three point two six five billion dollars. Do you know what that is, Alexander? 
um that's probably not the cost of the hot dogs at the new rangers ballpark but i'm not sure uh maybe maybe like the family deal if you if you want to go in for the family deal the bucket um that would be the total number of dollars spent in free agency thus far this year uh which is i believe a record um and comes on the heels of the owners just spending a whole lot of time during CBA negotiations talking about how they have no money. <laughs> um, so it's, I mean, I don't know. not like any of us believed it. Right. But it, it's just so frustrating to hear all of that. Woe is me. Woe is me. And then they literally have spent combined 3.265 billion dollars, billion. It's an insane number. I, I there's a you probably know this off the top of your head. Have you ever seen the uh, the like a meme or a, a, a whatever that goes out that showcases the difference between a million and a billion? Because these are big numbers that most of us pedestrians don't really have the uh, opportunity in our lifetime to quantify because we don't deal with millions and billions of dollars. Oh, have yeah. you, do you know what like the, like the are, rice you know one? I think about? is a good one. Is there a yeah. rice one? Which is yeah, the, one. whatever one you know off the top of your head. I'm going to try and Google the one. I think it's about like time, the one I'm talking about. Mm, okay. But talk about the one you you know. Because I think this is actually really important because we're talking about three billion, not just one billion. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, to, there's a really nice recap of it through today that Jeff Passan put out. Um, it's like uh, the previous high in free agency, as he said, was 2.4. So we're um, 800 million past that with an outside or maybe even just a realistic chance honestly um to go a billion above the previous record the one that i recall is like you know they'd show like a bunch of grains of rice and mind you it was like billions in terms of like amounts of money that billionaires have so like we'd have like 100 billion grains of rice and they just fill up several human bodies like capacities it's like you can imagine <laughs> like four or five howard tafts if you will um of okay. just rice <laughs> yeah sure howard taft that william is a taft. that's an, an odd poll but sure that's what i'll imagine go ahead um yeah yeah so um william howard taft right that's the full name um yeah so <laughs> the the details of this actually when you like break up that money i think where a lot of the fun stuff actually breaks out uh so um there were 11 deals over a hundred million so far. Probably that's going to be the total. I don't think Tommy Pham gets another one. <laughs> um, I guess Aaron judge could get an extension or something like that, but we'll see. Uh, of those, I think the Rangers are the only team that have made two of them. Um, everyone else, uh, you know, it's been spread out to different teams, which is crazy. Also it's the, the AL East has lagged behind is another thing he points out. Um, yeah. So like it's a way different version of people spend big than I feel like the cynics who are anti write a big check. Um, it's not like the Yankees are buying success. The Yankees are like not the Dodgers buying might and be therefore just a little are bit. not winning. Yeah, yeah. I, I have been for a long time a very anti uh, championships should be for sale. I, I still don't believe that. But my my perspective has shifted from stop the teams who are spending from spending and has moved to make the teams who aren't spending 
spend. <laughs> and right. I, I do right. wish that there had been more of a discussion of like a, a salary floor um, in the CBA or, and I'm sure it was a complete non-starter anyway, but at least if you, if you put it on the table this time, maybe three contracts from now, uh, you see something that kind of feels like that. Um, and I didn't really hear a whole lot of buzz about that, but um, I'm, I'm going to, I found the thing that I was talking about and I think this blew my mind when I first saw it. So I'm going to see how, how your, your math brain works here for a second. How many, how long a, a period of time is a million seconds? Do you think if you were going to quantify that in something less abstract than a million seconds, how long do you uh, think it takes for a million seconds to pass? Let's see. So there are in a day, no, in an hour, there is 3,600. So you multiply that by 24 and you get uh, some number that I'm going to round up and properly do about 10,000 a day. <laughs> so then, uh, what, is that three years? Not quite three years. It's actually for, so it's it's much shorter than that for, se- for a million seconds. It's 11 okay. and a half days. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I don't know what a zero is apparently. You might just Um, have added, I think, a factor of 10 in there. Yeah. Um, So 1 million seconds is 11 and a half days. 1 billion seconds is 31 and a half years. A factor of 100 is how far I was off. That is, yeah, but there we go. Okay, that all makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) this is something that I I never really had thought about the difference between a million, say a million dollars and a billion dollars. Like to me, it's all monopoly money. I I don't have it, (laughs) but a million seconds is 11 and a half days. A billion seconds is 31 and a half years. And the owners just spent $3 billion after saying that, that baseball is a, is a losing money venture. And they should just invest their money in the stock market. It's it's mind blowing to me. Yeah, I mean, being able to uh, talk about money on a scale far beyond which, like, it affects your life, other than just like, you know, like, I don't know, the difference between being paid, I would say, like, twenty million dollars and a hundred billion dollars is something that's very hard to feel. Um, yeah. The difference between pay, being paid a hundred and three hundred million dollars is very hard to feel. And I want to note. Even further, the difference between paying someone a hundred and three hundred million dollars when you have ten million in your bank account is something you will never feel. <laughs> so, uh, ten billion, you mean ten billion yeah. in your bank account? Yeah, yes, yeah exactly, right, right, yeah. right. So, yeah. um, I think that's worth also flipping the script. It's like, you know, do they really need that extra money? It's like, do owners really need that extra money? No, maybe even less. So, um, interesting how we always flip the script here. I think that the side addendum that it's like, this is so immediately after the discussion, I think is probably the first thing that needs to come to mind in a lot of these cases. Um, I'm just actually really pleased with the way it's shown up. There are only a handful of teams that are really committed to not running a really big payroll. A lot of teams are committed to building around some cornerstones they want people to be excited about. That's good. Like, it really does show that the people who just negotiated this contract, you know, want to be part of the 12 teams in the playoffs every year and see that other owners want to be there as well. And a couple are going to do some really awful things to make sure that they're not. Um, And it's going to be an awful time to have been raised as a Reds fan. Um, But, you know, as we discussed earlier, like that's a choice, I guess, at some point to continue to, uh, I don't know, just, go along with it and be a fan if you don't have to. Um, and I, I think for people like me who, you know, it's pretty normal for people my age, I feel like to move around a lot. 
um, you know, not live in the city where you were raised. And like, I know a lot of people who like have moved here to DC and carry with them fandoms, different things, you know, people who are twins fans or Cardinals fans or what have you. And at some point it is all a choice to continue to just like accept it. And I don't think we're really bound to when the, the real thing worth cheering for is, you know, Wonder Franca to be really good or whatever else. Yeah. Cause that's the most fun thing. I mean, I live very much in a sort of like, I can't watch the Nats and Orioles anyway, unless I'm at the stadium sort of thing. It's a lot of just highlights and MLB TV is the way that I have to consume most things or just like watch someone else be play. So yeah, I think that when you think about it that way, um, well, especially with other yeah. teams are paying money. I don't need sure. my one. But if you're, if you're a Reds fan and you want, say you're an MLB TV subscriber, what in the world is keeping you a Reds fan, right? It's the one right. team you can't watch. <laughs> and maybe the one team that is, is going to be the least exciting to watch. So, uh, uh yeah, I, that sort of thing really is a bummer. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else we can say about it. You know, it's, it's unfortunately part of the way that the business of baseball is structured and, and these opportunities exist because the CBAs are not tightened up like they are in other sports. And, um, owners do have the right and the ability to make these decisions and do it. And as long as they're allowed to get away with doing it, um, they're going to continue to do it. You know, it's, uh, it's not shocking at this point anymore. It's just, I guess, continuously disappointing. Um, on a lighter note, we are going to talk uh, a lot during the course of this episode about kind of our, our central concept more, I guess on this than a question, but, um, and that is, uh, what are, what are we doing with players now that baseball has started up again? Where are we drafting them? What new information is going to help us inform those decisions? But before we start digging into that stuff, we are going to take a very small break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PO Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show and we're back and ready to dig in. Alexander, uh, I'm not going to sing to you or at you, um, but I am going to channel my counting crows and and talk about how it's been a long November. Um, there is a lot for us to be hopeful for, but uh, we had a long stretch where uh, it's basically been November through December, January, February, and, and a lot of March. And so we've had these drafts and we've had people making decisions based on really no new information. Um, and now suddenly there's this bevy of new information, whether it's injury information that was that was existing all along. We just didn't know about it, whether it's team movement, um, 
free agent signings, trades, all of those things. And really what we're going to be looking at is what's the impact on ADP? What's the impact on, on maybe consumer confidence, for lack of a better term? I like um, that word. Yeah. What what has um what has changed to this point and what do we maybe expect to change based on things that we're hearing in the moment now over the next few weeks as draft season really ramps up and and uh, everybody gets set for the season to start. So, I'm going to uh, let you again, we're going to go choose your own adventure style here. We have a bunch of stuff in the notes in the rundown and uh, you go ahead and start where you want. So I want to start, actually, uh, with one of the things that surprised me while we were researching this. We came up with kind of a, a couple different bins of reasons why we think that people would or wouldn't change their stock. And I've been putting a lot of thought into, like, how much I should start to adjust my priors for where someone should go or where I should be willing to pay for someone. And an, a guy that came to my mind very first uh, was Alec Manoa. I picked Alec Manoa about where he is currently going in a pre ADP, like let's set this, the table sort of draft in November. Um, and here he is going in the exact same spot. So I pulled two data sets before this pod. I have the NFBC ADP from the very start of the draft season up through the end of um January. I felt like if I just left out February and there was a nice pause in between, that would make me feel better. And then <laughs> I've pulled the ADP since the lockout has been lifted. Alec Manoa, uh, before was going, I believe it was 93rd. Let's confirm that. 91st. He's currently going 94th. That lack of movement for the sort of guy that I kind of think of as like a this is the sort of player that as he shows up high on some lists take a peek at you know like the list and he's like 21st or so we'll see how far he rises um usually someone lands really high on a list like that people start talking there's some murmuring and someone starts taking their shot and the adp inches forward and next thing you know you have zach gallon's adp rising like 20 places from the start to the end of the draft season nope I mean, yeah. I'm not going to say I called my shot and everyone else fell in line because that's definitely not what happened. Um, but <laughs> we're in the same spot um, for a shocking number of people right now. Um, so the first bucket that I wanted to kind of like talk about is the one that I kind of thought he would have fallen into. I was shocked to find out that he hadn't. And that's the like breakout buy-in sort of bundle. Um, these are the people who have had no news of any sort this week this off season, but had very confusing 2021 or even 2020 cycles. And you would expect that throughout the course of the off season, there'd be some sort of consolidation of opinion, maybe a change in the tide about where someone ought to go. And as a result, there'd be a big shift in their, their price. Um, you can think to bat to past cycles, uh, or I keep saying cycles because I know people who work in politics and that's where my brain goes to past seasons. <laughs> You're um, gearing up seasons. for that law school, that law school uh, uh, mentality. Living in DC melts your brain. It's really fun. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, I think the reason that we haven't seen this happen yet is the fact that spring training just started. And so we haven't been able to see Alec Manoa show off a new pitch that makes everyone just lose their minds too. Um, but there are a few people that we want to take a look at. 
um, that maybe not aren't rookies per se, but it have had some things change. So um, let's start out with a guy that I don't know how to feel about. Um, and that's Logan Webb. Do you have any mm-hmm. shares of Logan Webb? Um, I don't think that I do. I actually traded for him in a dynasty league and then wound up flipping him in another deal, which I didn't want to do, but it, it made it made sense. It was a good deal. Um, I I like his stuff a lot. Um, I, I know that there, I think, are some concerns as to whether or not it's going to play exactly as it did, and, and mostly that's around small sample size, right? Yeah, also just some weird luck throughout his samples um, and the lack of strikeouts is, I think, the thing. Um, So he came up as like a guy that I know I've been out on and I've heard other people say that we're out on in the early pre like and during lockout sample. His ADP was 57. So he was going, um, let's see if I can pick out any pitchers that are going around him. There really aren't just a few after Freddie Peralta, for example. Um, yep. who is the ace of my Darth League uh, draft um, in the DC area, Red <laughs> Fantasy League. Um, I don't know if I feel great about that choice. I like Peralta, but there were some choices I made. Now Logan Webb has slipped to 71st. So he's going after Gaussman and um, uh, just before Musgrove, which is like, I think, a fine price for him. I don't know that I'll pay that for him in any other drafts because I don't know if I'm going to do any other drafts, I'll be honest. Um, but... I feel like the market corrected on him after a whole lot of call it post playoff hype. Yeah. I, this is my theory. My theory is that he, there was a lot of focus on him and he got a lot of helium and then he kind of got replaced by somebody who has helium now. So somebody found, you know, people are talking about Logan Webb. I'm going to go find my darling and, and, People are talking about some of these other guys as the new Logan Webb. And so it's it's not necessarily that the reasons for Webb have changed at all, right? I think it's just that his spot at the top of the mountain of of the guy that people wanted to be excited about has just been filled in with the next version of the guy that people want to be excited about. Yeah, I mean, here I am. I'm scrolling against these two lists because I'm thinking, okay, so who's risen in this place? And a lot of these early pitchers have not risen. Sandy Alcantara going 38th before, now slid down to 46. And that's only like half a round or so, but that's still something. I'm, I, I would have imagined, again, some aggressive placements would have like maybe pushed him up, got him some more focus because he wasn't getting a lot of focus. Nope, hasn't been the case. And you know, it's 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 hard to figure out. It's like who's rising up the board. It's, it's hitters mostly, I think. Um, I, I think there's a few ask, people- like is 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 it maybe because of the kinds of drafts that we're seeing now that pitching that is being be pushed down a little bit because format is is kind of in play. But like also those DCs for my for the most part, in my opinion, are the places where people tend to push pitching down because you just get so much of it in total. And it's so variable that you want a strong hitting core. So it would be my suspicion that pitcher ADP should rise as it often does as we get away from draft champion season in the NFC towards main event season, whatever. Um, yeah, we're seeing the opposite effect for a handful of guys, not everyone. I'm pretty yeah. sure you could go and find a couple people inching up the list. But when we were trying to find people that were like fitting into all these categories, there were so many people who just didn't change at all. Shane Bieber is going 27th now. 
he was going 27th before. Mm-hmm. And it's like, where is it? Where do you find this change? And like seeing a couple of these guys that should be hype machines falling down is an interesting phenomenon in terms of me trying to wrap my head around, not the players themselves, but as you said, the market confidence, which is probably a different and more important variable in some weird way. Yeah. Um, Well, at this stage, for sure, because um, what you're really trying to do, you really shouldn't be trying to draft to ADP. You should be using ADP to know when you need to pull the trigger and where you can maybe wait a little bit longer for the people that you think are going to outperform their their draft position. If you're just taking every guy at their ADP, you're probably going to wind up with a very round-by-round round average team. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So if you're trying to find the values, you're using ADP not as necessarily a draft Bible, but more a, a framework for knowing where you can kind of zig and zag and execute your plan for your guys. Yeah. And I feel like this is supposed to be the time of year people start to say, oh, go get your guys through ADP out the window. And the fact that it just doesn't seem like that window has been open. <laughs> I don't know how you want to like make that dumb metaphor work. <laughs> it's interesting. So I, I, I think it's worth our while to start speculating on speculation. Um, but I think it's worth saying before we do that it can seemingly be explained that um, people did not get restless during the rock lockout and start doing reckless things and that the reckless things are going to happen as someone starts to throw four innings and looking really good with a pitch that they've thrown 10 times in some of those innings. Um, yeah. So like we're going to see some people introduce changeups, maybe a man out Noah introduces a changeup. And people just lose their minds, and he suddenly he's going seventy fifth overall. Um, maybe you know, keep doing this, like Dylan C's or whatever. I saw that today. Hazel Lazardo. I just said Dylan C's, whatever, because I think that's all it's going to take. Um, Hazel Lazardo is hitting ninety nine today uh, on his start when he's averaged significantly less than that previously. I'm sure he'll shoot up the board. It's gonna be hype season, like it's gonna yeah. happen. But we and it's need gonna be to concentrated. Because it's all happening within a few weeks as opposed to an entire kind of off season of of news and and injuries and and that kind of thing. We'll get to injuries as Mm -hmm. a a different bucket uh, uh, moving forward. Is there anybody else in this kind of slice of of what we're discussing that you want to bring up as a as a case study or do you want to move into the next bucket? Um, I think there are a couple guys that I, I think are worth talking about is emblematic of that last thing we brought up people we can imagine the hype trains really leaving the station in the next couple days on the hitter side i know we've talked a lot about pitching because pitching it like makes sense why the skills speculation would be weird i think that we're really going to see some stuff take off for like julio rodriguez or um, i don't know you can take it like uh o'neill cruz people like those who like might be a report that they're going to be up 15 days after the starting of the season and five monster home runs away from shooting up 50 picks. So um, our Kelnick, I, same deal, right? Same if, deal. If, yeah. If he, if he heats up in spring and people are like, Oh, he's, he's, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. He's going to shoot yeah. right up the board. Yeah. It's, it's really funny in that Darf draft. Um, wonder Kelnick Torkelson and uh, Julio Rodriguez all fell compared to ADP. And I roster all four of them, and I'm kind of terrified. Um, <laughs> I don't draft prospects. I don't know what's happened to me. Um, I'm typically uh, you like, joined that uh, joined prospects live and, and it, got into a dynasty league. That's what happened. 
damn it, Huth, as they say. <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, let's talk about the second the second bucket. You have it listed here as location, location, location. Talk a little bit about that. Um, so uh, Chris Bryant went to Colorado. Did you hear about that? Uh, That's I what did. I'm talking about yes. here. Yeah, he's he might actually be the player I have the most intrigue for with with player movement. Um, I think that's a, a wonderful landing spot for him and his potential uh, and his game. And uh, I don't know, I've always kind of secretly rooted for him. I, I don't know oh, yeah. why I can't really put my finger on it. Um, I'm, I'm not a Cubs fan. I'm not a Giants fan. I'm, I'm not a Rockies fan. Uh, but I do seem to find myself being a Chris Bryant fan, um, the player, not necessarily the guy I want to roster on my team, depending. Um, but I, I really hope this is like a thing for him. I really do. I have never rostered Chris Bryant. Um, and I feel like it's always been the case that the top end Cubs guys went earlier than they ought to have because so many people want to cheer for the Cubs and a lot of the drafts I was playing and uh, that are kind of just like general latent Cubs fandom it meant the ADP got pushed up and so people's expectations about how good they were got pushed I don't know man um, <laughs> yeah I've always been kind of out on him and thought that he kind of hit the ball more weekly than we would think and that the profile just wasn't that great he stopped running and his value really kind of like fell down and the batting average is not there is kind of just a compounding is like there is more reputation than value here. Um, yeah, I like to buy the boring old guys typically because they're good values and it's very hard to find value in Jared Kelnick and people like, um, you know, Bryant and Rizzo and Baez go down the yeah. line. Uh, right, right. Contreras right. has basically been the only cub I ever got to roster. Um, so. But this is a good place to point out that <laughs> the thing about Colorado is not necessarily the the home runs, but the batting average. Right, right. right. It is exactly the cure for what he needed. Now, mind you, if you're in a league where, let's say, the uh, the Rockies are going to play three games all on the road out of a four four game set, and you have a couple other outfield options he's not going to have a lot of really excellent weeks on the road because Coors hangover sucks and he's going to struggle at times and people are going to say some dumb things. I cannot wait for people to actually, I'm going to say this. I'm going to flip that around. I cannot wait for people to not talk about um, <laughs> his, his away splits um, and completely ignore the fact that this goes the other way because we actually haven't had a big name free agent go to Colorado or even been able to talk about this in a while. So I am excited yeah. for that. And people are not going to talk about it and I'm going to complain about it all the time and get hoarse and people are going to tell me to shut up and I'm going to get muted. Um, <laughs> it really does kind of make you wonder what they've been doing over the last couple of years with their roster moves to then sign him to this big contract. But we'll need an entire other episode to, to try and figure out the Rockies organizational management structure. Yeah. Um, the question for him, and I I just cannot wait for how bad this pun is going to be. Um, how high is too high and mile high? God. Um, yeah, I, it's really a question of, uh, I think, where his ADP is going to land when you want to start drafting him and how far people want to take the shot. So, um, again, same thing before and after. Um, he was sitting at 88 with a max pick of 44 and a min of 120. Uh, so, you know, going the same range as Alex Bregman, JD Martinez, um, Bobby Witt Jr. Actually, which is an interesting 
comps there. Um, since the lockouts lifted, that includes some time where he was not a Colorado Rocky as well. And so this is just like, it's higher since then, I'm sure, but I wanted to be fair for everyone. He's at the 74th of the min pick of 32. So I imagine the ADP probably settles in the 60s. Um, mm. Wouldn't be insane to me. Let's compare against some other guys there. Jose Altuve, Brandon Lau, Nolan Arenado. That's a fun comp. Yeah. Like <laughs> Randy Rosarena, Eli Jimenez. Those are all hitters who are averaging out in the 50s. Uh, Cattell Marte. Like, I'm more excited by him than a lot of them in Roto. I feel like it could be frustrating in head to head. Um, yeah. Like, you know, playoffs are weird and it's all weird. What do you, what can you do? Um, so he's definitely a guy I, um, I cannot wait to follow. And I think that's a part of this that kind of gets underrated is that part of player analysis check is checking back in and being excited about the checking back in part is something that's really easily forgotten. Cause you just want to draft your teams and then um, not take your L's. But I almost just <laughs> want to say that the case study for him is going to be in July. Um, and I, I'm, I'm ready for it. Who else on this list? Uh, I'm going to give you the names that, sh- that you have here in the notes and, uh, and you pick one more. Okay. So I, I know this is limiting, uh, but we've got Josh Donaldson, Jesse Winker and Luke Voigt here as, as again, symbols of the concept. Um, and then a surprise name that I want you to talk about regardless, uh, which is not a surprise to you because it's already on the list. Um, but uh, pick your poison here. Donaldson, Winker, Voigt. Um, I think that um, both Voigt and Donaldson are kind of self-explanatory and really just questions of like what we want to do. Winker is, I think, the more interesting case here. Um, I got him in and around pick 120, 130 in TGFBI. felt really good about that. Um, I almost traded for him in Dynasty the day before he got traded. Um, the guy who rostered him was shopping him and wanted uh, a big name pitcher and some other stuff. And my offer was apparently not pretty enough. And he got shot the next day in that league. I remember running the bat X values the week before and the week after he dropped $15 in projected auction value. Yeah. Um, it makes me drop from 27 to four to 12. Roughly. Now, I think there might have been some inflation stuff in there, and I was kind of pricing it weird. Maybe it was a little bit less dramatic than that. Maybe it was a $10 move. Um, when I kind of like take out some of those inflation effects that I was applying for a startup draft, being honest here, and now that I'm thinking about it, but like the difference in what Seattle is going to mean for his batting average and home run totals versus Cincinnati, and maybe you can add a tiny bit of um, RBI run production in there, but not that much. It's going to be just massive on his value. And I am just blown away um, by how, I mean, it's data driven. It makes sense. We're talking about a, like a 120 park factor for home runs versus 90. That is 75% as many home runs at home. You're going to yeah. lose if you're projected for 17 home runs at home. That's five home runs off your total. That's a lot of value. Your batting average falls 10 15 points plus as a result of this we're talking like a 40 point difference in terms of home park batting average it's it's gonna mean so much and um i don't think you can really argue we're around most of those points and i think it's gonna be a really fun let's see it happen uh moment for like how much these park factor adjustments really you're just gonna hit the nail on the head for someone who i really am excited for and i'm really happy for the mariners separately 
he's gone yeah, from a yeah, guy yeah. who I thought was going 40 picks too late compared to talent to a guy that I probably would not draft if my TGFBI now, here's the only that. thing that I would say about him or players like him. And uh, I think we mentioned it a little bit when we were talking with Nick last week. And that is Winker's game is built around or was built around playing in a, in a ballpark with a really favorable hitting situation, right? Mm-hmm. He's, he seems to be a pretty smart player. I can see him maybe uh, acquiescing to, okay, five less home runs. And so I'm going to maybe adjust my swing plane a little bit too. And I'm going to maybe try and, and make a little bit more contact or I'm going to make a, a, an adjustment to his approach to playing in a different stadium. Whereas he could just go in and play the same way that he's always played and, and he's going to get this out, outcome X, right? He actually does have control of, uh, with uh, his approach and in going into Seattle and, and maybe the outcome becomes why because of a, a, a decision and an approach decision. Not that he's going to be the same player that he was in a favorable hitting situation, but I don't think he's also going to be as bad as just taking all of his batted ball data from last year and, and kind of overlaying it in Seattle because there's this, again, these aren't robots. These are people making decisions about how they want to play baseball and the approach. And you're not going to go on the road and try and have a home road approach. Cause that's going to screw up your mechanics and your swing. Right. Right. But with an opportunity in spring training to make a few adjustments and, and uh, have a full season of trying to uh, you know, be valuable in different ways. I I do have some faith that he's going to land north of worst case uh, and obviously most likely south of where, where he was. Yeah. I I think that he's an interesting case in that he really was a doubles plus hitter with a ton of contact and pretty good power in the best park to be that. And he can just be a doubles plus hitter, like not a 40 home run guy be a 25 and a lot of extra base hits guy in Seattle. And, and maybe some more on base too, right? You know, he was already uh, a huge on base threat, right? So, that yeah. might be a place though, where he could, he might sacrifice some power, but really become beyond elite uh, with, with on base skills. I don't know. I mean, obviously I'm not the one in the box swinging the bat, so he would be the better person to ask Jesse. If you're listening, we'd love to have you on. Um, yeah. But yeah. uh I, I I guess my point is more in the macro rather than the micro that a lot of times I think we make these predictions about players and where they're going to go. Trevor Story is going to the Red Sox. Um, you know, what is that going to mean for him? Well, it, it it's going to mean certain things likely in terms of like statistical output, but it also likely means he's going to try and hit the ball differently than he did when he was playing, uh, you know, in, in, in uh, Colorado. So, I, I do think that these it, it does matter to acknowledge that we can do the best job we can and try and find like that line of best fit, so to speak. But the context is is changing, not just from a where is he playing point of view, but how is he going to approach playing in this new place point of view as well? Um, I, we're not talking about Trevor Story. I just want to like quickly get in that uh, <laughs> Boston is one of the most fascinating places for him to go to because it's one of the better places for batting average in the league because on the right side, you just get a cavernous amount of space to hit into. And on the left side, you get a gigantic target to hit off of. Um, yep. 
So I think he's going to lose a bunch of home runs that are going to turn into singles. Um, but he might wind up with some fly balls that scrape too. So it, yeah. it'll be very interesting to see. I, I definitely want to watch what happens for him as well. I'm always fascinated by the guys who leave course. Um, I think that people are going to say some potentially stupid things because of the Arenado translation, which want to say St. Louis, terrible place. Um, right to play baseball uh seems yeah. like a fun-ish place <laughs> in real life i don't really know <laughs> not to besmirch, besmirch all the people or the fine city itself <laughs> yeah um uh, budweiser is a beer that people drink i don't really know um but yeah I, I i think that when i think about people who kind of have his profile who don't play in cincinnati it's not fully accurate but like alex bregman is the person who's going to have a very similar kind of shape to like his value, except we're we talking gonna have about now. I just to for winker, clarity's sake, to Winker. We're still talking. We're back you. to Winker. Okay. Yeah. We're off and, story onto Winker. So yeah. Yeah. It, and I think that you know, being good is still being good, even if it's not the same fantasy good. Bregman, I will note, probably going to play for a team that will score some more runs. So the counting stats are better, and that's why Bregman's going to go around pick eighty, and Winker's going to go around pick one twenty. Also, third base scarcity definitely is going to play into people's minds. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's a reason why their IRL approaches will mean different fantasy value. Just want to make sure we say that. Um, but yeah, I'm fascinated by that move for Winker. Uh, so the mystery box guy, huh? Yes. Uh, Kevin Smith is a guy I'm really excited. is finally going to get a shot. And he's going to get a shot uh, to play in Oakland. Uh, I think he's got a pretty good chance to go like 15 and 15 this year. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere in that range. Um, and just play a lot. And that's basically it. I mean, I don't love the way it's going to happen, but I am happy that a, the result of this is going to mean that a couple other guys get to launch their careers. Um, Chapman is going to get to change his career. Um, Matt Olson is going to get paid really big. Yeah, Kevin yeah. Smith is going to get a chance to become a full-time professional baseball player, and I'm excited for him. He really just crushed it in AAA for too long, and I hope that he's not a quad A guy. But if even even if he's a quad A guy, like well, at least we play. get a chance to <laughs> yes. find out, right? And 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 he'll yeah he'll still play in in Oakland. Um, yeah. All right, let's talk about the third bucket, and that's the injury concern uh, people. This includes not only people who were injured, but maybe some people who we found out are injured um, and kind of how does all of that play into our, our approach to shifting our ADP expectations as we, as we get closer and closer to actual regular season baseball. Yeah. I want to say that the, the answer for this is going to matter greatly to whether depending on you, those are some words. Apparently my tongue needs to go on the IL. Um, (laughs) No. Okay. Um, the answer to this question is going to change based on whether or not you have IL spots on your actual fantasy roster. Uh, can we start with Fernando Tatis? Because I feel like um, we I just think you almost to. have to, right? Are we yeah. obligated to? Yeah. In the same way that he's obligated not to ride motorcycles, we are oh obligated to talk about him first. Oh, man. Um, yeah. So... I want to start with the leagues where you can't um, because those are the ones that I I'm going to play in a lot of, unfortunately, how did I end up this person that I am playing all of my redraft leagues on NFC? That is insane. Who am I as a person? <laughs> um, in those leagues, Tatis is probably destined to go around pick a hundred because you cannot stash him for the three months. He's going to be out. 
And then when he comes back, he's probably going to be most of his real self, I imagine, for half the season. Um, so he should be worth about half as much as you were willing to pay for him before with a little bit of extra risk based baked in. If he was a $50 guy, he should be a 20 to $25 guy now. Um, but that's not how drafts actually work and people are going to drop him down even more. And the, the ADP number I've heard people say is somewhere around 60 to 70. I've seen him fall to a hundred more often though. So we'll see where that actually lands. You're opinions about risk are going to vary wildly and um sure i and opportunity cost uh, is going to be enormous there like yeah uh, we can talk about where in the draft he should go but who are you not taking to take him i think for deeper leagues yeah the point you make there is like (laughs) it gets scarier right yeah right so um for 15 team leagues with no ILs, which i I'm sure a very small number of people who actually consume fantasy content and care about this stuff, but it's a very large number of the, te- the leagues that I'm increasingly playing in because yeah. that's where my <laughs> friends are, I guess. Um, I'm scared of him. If you're playing a, a ESPN or Yahoo 10 or 12 team league, yeah, I, I would take him before pick 75 uh, because I'm that kind of stupid. And um, But you, you have know, an IL spot. You can stash yeah. him. You can work around that. And then, uh, you know second half of the year you're you're getting a huge boost yeah um it makes more sense yeah i i think basically um you want to consolidate and have a shot at talent oh i should also note head-to-head leaks no no bro no brainer absolutely a top 75 approaching top 50 pick even in, in playoff leagues because uh you know if you trust yourself to be able to recoup good value late and on the wire to keep yourself afloat and then just crush your map matchups late in the air. He's totally worth rostering. Um, but it's just oh, it's so stupid. And, and it's a I long time it. to have to carry him too. And you're going to wind up with other injured players and having, you know, to ask yourself, do I want to maintain this for this long? Or can I get away with dropping him and picking him back up? And then that becomes a dangerous game too. So it's, it's a definitely a tough situation. Most of all, it stinks that we don't get Tatis as a baseball player to enjoy and see highlights of and, and all of that. Um, yeah. You know, it's not like baseball players shouldn't be allowed to go do things that are fun, but it really stinks when they go do fun things and then wind up injured as a result. And, and uh, we don't get to see him play. Yeah. I'm, far be it for me to tell him after he's made his money what to do. And though I know that these contracts have clauses that keep the teams from having to pay money. If you do things that like, getting injured riding a motorcycle literally they have motorcycle clauses yeah it doesn't uh, surprise me um but you know i it's more just like than anything else kind of frustrating because you have to think that if there hadn't been the lockout they would have done something about this months ago um and that he would be well on his path to recovery already and that's the annoying part yeah yeah blame yep, him a little absolutely. blame the owners more in terms of your fantasy problems because so uh, let's let's uh, shift here and talk about a player who maybe we have questions about they are they're i'm going to use air quotes uh healthy now as far as we know but last year or the year even like a a verlander right had to go go under the knife so um there's those players and then and then there's you know maybe people who are a little prone or maybe people you think are quote unquote do for an injury what do we do with chris sale so again pick your own adventure here uh we've got the list of of guys and and talk about the ones that you think make the most sense to illustrate the point that we're trying to make here 
Um, the broad point that I think I always end up making about people who carry injury risk or known quantity injury stuff is that the way that the market treats them is always a little bit um, overcautious and unfair um, because like Fangraph's auction calculator, et cetera, et cetera, really bad at pricing and playing time. Um, can we start with Max Muncy, who I love? Yeah. yeah. Um, and rostered several leagues this year, and I feel really good about that. Um, he should note, and this is something that I kind of have lost track of, his elbow injury is to his glove side arm. Mm. Um, and obviously that will still hurt your ability to hit the ball. And we should monitor his spring training swing and make sure he looks comfortable. But he played third base in a spring training game. His arm is not going to be a problem that's going to keep him from playing the field. Yes, there is a his throwing DH. arm. Yes. Right? You're, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but he is not a DH only player this year. He should yeah. be playing. And I just totally lost track of this. And his ADP, uh, same old, same old. Y'all know the deal at this point. Uh, he was 145 <laughs> in the lockout part. And in the last 11 days, he's up to 118. I think his ADP could settle in at the top 75. Um, wow. Yeah. I, That's a huge if shift. If it doesn't, people are just continuing to do st- stupid stuff here. Um, I did a or regrettable thing. Or something has come to light, right? Or, or right, something right, 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 presents right. itself in spring training. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would say we will need, in my opinion, evidence that he is not healthy in himself at this point to not draft him within the top 100. It, that's the way I would phrase that. Um, and I think that they're probably even like, what, what's his max pick? I'm going to see his max is 54. That's, that's not low enough still. Um, now what I say there is that isn't that he should be drafted in the forties. It's just that like the bell curve of excitement, show, someone should be drafting him in the forties at this point. Uh, yeah. You know, right. If the crazies haven't him, gotten crazy enough. have to do. If you wait, if you try and wait <laughs> to where he's going, somebody's going to maybe jump you in, in line and, uh, and take them from you. So that, yeah. then that's how ADP creeps up, right? Because then it becomes 40 and then everybody jumps into the thirties because they want to get their guy. That's how these things move and, and how that happens. I would, I would say that I think he's going to come in as a top 50 player by projected value by my stuff. And if that's happening, someone should be reaching. Um, not saying you should reach, but like the the economy like health indicator nonsense yeah. of Max Muncy <laughs> should be more positive than it currently is. So he is a uh, a triple buy still for me. And uh, I did a really stupid thing and took uh, Justin Turner <laughs> ahead of him in Darf because I like needed a third baseman so bad and I boxed myself in. Um, so especially I if he's going to wind up about an injured player being third segment. base eligible, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Muncy could become third base in Yahoo pretty quickly. I think if he isn't yeah. already, I should check on that. God. Um, yeah. So I felt like I had to say a nice thing about injured players before we said some mean things again about more injured players. It's kind of like an okay. inverse compliment san- sandwich. Um, I think we can rapid fire a couple of these guys just about whether or not you're you're willing to draft them at all. Are, are you willing to roster Chris Sale right now? Um. I no. I, I'm. <laughs> I, I he he already comes with question marks and risk and and with his age and and other injury history and you, you know if he comes in and he's healthy you might be able to estimate a reasonable amount of it you know if you said let's say you haven't pegged for 120 innings um okay I, I you can you can 
say I can say this within the realm of reason. I don't think it's a crazy number. If you're going to draft accordingly or you're going to build your team accordingly, then so be it. That's not my tendency, but I'm a very risk averse when it comes to that sort of thing, which is a bit of a market inefficiency that a lot of people fall victim to. And it does give people who are more um, uh, willing to take on that risk, maybe a slight advantage. But now with the, the additional uh, rib cage injury, I, um, I, I, you just you have no idea what he's going to be like he, when he heals. He he might come back and and uh, you know it, it's he's his mechanics are off. It might take yeah, him a bunch of time to worry too to, to get back to you know being able to get his velocity up or he it's still a little tender even though it's technically healed and so he tweaks his shoulder and elbow because his arm slots a little bit different and now you're back to square one with that. Um, I'll root for him because he pitches for the Sox when he comes back, but uh, I, I really don't want much to do with him on my fantasy teams at this point. Yeah, I can't imagine an ADP at which I'll be comfortable rostering him uh, outside of like a Yahoo 12, essentially. At which point, same thing as last year, throw him on your IL, whatever. Do one of those. Uh, sure, I just think that he's going to wind up being a guy that's going to feel really easy when in the first three weeks... Uh, three of your guys go on the IL mm-hmm. and you want to, you want to free up that spot. I think it's going to be an easy drop. And even people who draft him are not going to feel like they can hold him uh, yeah, he, even in an IL spot. He's got a max pick um, of 242 over the past 11 days, which is, uh, it speaks volumes there. Um, there are a couple other guys who like also have injury problems that I feel like I'm less scared of, but still a little bit scared of. Like I'm not going to draft Flaherty. I'm not going to draft McCullers yep. and I wasn't already going to draft McCullers. I'm not scared at all about Wheeler. Um, because I tend to think that missing 10 innings at the beginning of the year is no big deal. Um, he's, dra- he's dropped a yeah. little bit. Um, is it even going to be that much? It might, uh, it might only be like 25 pitches in his first start. Yeah, he's his he's an ADP thirty nine right now, uh, whereas his old one was twenty two. So that's a that's a dumb thing, I think. Relatively speaking, people were I think were worried that the shoulder issue was a shoulder injury, but I it think, sounds more than anything just like like load management to me. Here's here's where I think something that the draft rooms do, and and I, it's all with good intentions, and I'm glad that they do it. But I think anytime they put that little red mark whether it's a the red plus or the the you know the this guy is injured in some way marking next to them in a draft room i think it automatically tanks adp to a certain degree because not everybody's clicking on that and reading it or going and investigating they're just drafting off the list and uh oh wheeler's injured uh forget it i'm going to take this other guy instead um and that's going to drop them a handful of spots just by the nature of that that uh you know tag yeah um I feel like the people who are on like the end of the first round are going to be really annoyed whenever he doesn't quite get back to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I am, I'm happy for anyone who wins their league because they get him in the like third, um, that pocket aces, except it's the second and third round. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so he's a guy I feel good about. And, uh, I'm hopeful that I can feel good about Zach Gallon Cause it sounds like he's kind of okay. Oh, we'll see. Um, injuries this year, this time of year, are just going to be the worst, and there's yeah. going to be so much news about it. And it's just all going to be chaos, and um, there's got to be some relief for some people. It's like, yeah, you screwed up, but you don't have to draft worried if you were like drafting during the lockout because it's just like you don't know. Throw darts, 
get a deep breath out and uh, and pray rather than like sitting there and like like hyperventilating in the fifth round because you're not sure whether or not someone's going to be on your roster. Yeah, yeah, I don't. That's it's not fun to to have to draft that way. Um, so I, I don't know. It's it's interesting because there's just there was this flood of news. There's this flurry of activity. There may even be things that we're not going to know for another few weeks as spring training starts and um, things that didn't show up in a physical, you know, might start to show up as a nagging kind of thing in spring training. There's just so much that didn't happen with baseball activities during the lockout and and reporting of those baseball activities that it would not surprise me if uh, before opening day, there's there's more of that well, this guy's not a hundred percent or he's nursing a, a sore hamstring or, you know, those types of things. And to try and separate out what is, yeah, this guy just threw too many, uh, warm up pitches, you know, yesterday and needs a few days to ice it up, uh, and, and get back out there. And this is sore because it's the beginning of a real problem. Uh, it's going to take time for those things to kind of come to light and, and flesh themselves out. So, um, you know, I, I just stay on top of the news, follow beat writers, listen to what people have to say and, uh, and be detectives, you know, I, I, as best you can. Yeah. I think this is also a nice reminder that so many people's long injury logs are the result of a bunch of different random little things. And you can't actually predict which people are going to end up having the dice rolls fall such that they look like injury prone players. Um, that's not going right. to keep you from being scared when you see Byron Buxton. Um, fly into the air to make a leaping catch in center field <laughs> right. and then bang into the wall. He's fine, by the way. Great play. He's really good at baseball. Um, yeah, hope he stays he's healthy, able to be on the field. So everyone yeah. carries risk. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you know, we we all in our day to day lives have these little things that bother us, but they don't keep us from doing our jobs because our jobs don't require our shoulders to be a hundred percent at all times. My inklings <laughs> so. of carpal tunnel. Yeah. From playing too much civilization. Like that's not yeah. going to keep me from teaching. Right, 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 right. So, <laughs> uh, you know, for, for these guys, those little things are, that's where you go from being a hundred percent to 90%. And that 90% could be the difference between, you know, your, an exit velocity that works and one that doesn't for a few weeks. So, you know, the, these guys are playing with, with razor thin margins of error for, for their mm -hmm. performance. And so I think we also need to be understanding of that. But uh, Alexander, that is going to bring us to the end of episode 51. Thank you, as always, for joining me for this. And if you could remind the people where they can find us. Well, they can find you on Twitter at the corked mat. I'm on Twitter at chase underscore rate. And most importantly, you can find our podcast on Twitter at Dugout Study Hall, where you can send us some questions. Please be sure to subscribe to the Pitcherless podcast feed if you haven't done that already. Leave us a good review if you can be so kind. And if you're not already, please consider becoming a PL Plus member so that you can harass us on the PL Discord. And that's it for me. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.